Hey, what's good, people? This is the Option Podcast. This is episode 116. Wow. That guy's Gene Dolan. There he is. And the episode starts right now. What's up? This is episode 116 of the Option Podcast. You ask and you shall receive because for me, I've got to give the people, give the people what they want. That man, Gene Dolan. Hey, Chase. Great to be here with you. And of course, look who's back. My homie, my life force, my savior. Tell Miranda some good news. We got some new equipment we can play around yes, with. She's I'm like excited. great. She's like great. Something else I need to learn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> a little scary, but we'll make it happen. <laughs> oh man, what the hell were we talking about before we got on the podcast? This is why I forget. I just, that you I just... wanted to talk and get into an hour long conversation. Um Oh, was it Di Matteo? <laughs> was yeah, it people we're... cleaning up after themselves? <laughs> oh, no. We were talking the about... Thing. We were talking... Yeah. Yeah, look. So, Miranda, ladies and gentlemen. Miranda, that's her. Say hi. Hi. Miranda, I like how that camera's just like jumping around on you like it's got no business. Um, yeah, that was weird. That's on camera. But Miranda has a roommate that makes his own pizza. Woohoo! So we were before we got into the podcast, we were <laughs> Nick DiMatteo, tag you. But we were talking about coaches that I try to look up. Like I try to do all the, like we know each other and we've had conversations like we're we're a couple of fellas basically right now. Right? We're a couple of good fellas. We see things the way wow. they need to be seen. Yeah. The and that includes the things that we don't uh, um like technically uh, um see exactly the same. Your your reasoning is logical. The thing for me, as far as coaching is, is however you see things analytically, uh, you know, I, I look at things very geometrically. So there's a lot of math in what I do. And as a coach, we either reach our people or we don't. It's not just a question of what you see and telling it to them. You have to explain it to them in a manner by which it stays with them and they can always see it that way. I'll never forget the first time uh, Troy came to me and he was like, Gene, I'm, I, you know, I'm, I'm not in love with my setting. And I said, okay, Troy, this is the way you need to look at as a setter. This is what you need to do. This is how you have to keep your arms and your elbows up like you're a gunner in a B-17, like you're a, like you're a tail gunner in a B-17, keeping your eye on the, on the, on the target the whole time. And he said, Gene, people have been telling me to keep my hands up for years since I've been doing this. And he said, but you tell it to me in a way by which I just see it. And now I see myself as that gunner, you know? So it's the way you articulate, right? It, articulate your point. I think you're right. I think um, Troy um, has all the tools in the toolbox. The hardware is there. <laughs> right the software um and like you said and pe- people who um understand the software i like how i'm putting this is is key because miranda right your, your boyfriend plays rob mclean and we can we could say we could say almost the same thing about about rob as we could say about troy field um and i'm glad i'm glad you you said that because 
there are other coaches who would be like, oh, so now he gets it. I've been saying it to him the whole way. The whole I've been saying it to him that way the, the whole time. And I'm like, well, you've been saying it to him, but the operative words are not saying it to him. The operative words are that way. <laughs> so he's, he's basically, I'm going to shake this. He's lightning in a bottle. <laughs> so for me... Um, everybody wants to be confident. And everybody says, oh, you have to have a confidence like a Kobe Bryant, like a Wayne Gretzky, just to point out a bunch of, you know, just to take examples. And what do, we, what do we talk about with confidence? You know, Kobe Bryant, let's just take him for an example. That guy could miss 103 pointers in a row. And the next time he gets the ball, he, he's, he absolutely is 100% sure that the next one is going to go in. That's confidence, right? How do we get confidence? So a lot of people are like, okay, well, we need to be more confident on the court. What's the recipe for confidence, Jason? The recipe for confidence starts with control. Control leads to comfort. When you're passing well and when you're, when you're, when you're making good plays and you're controlling that north-south attack, on the ball, right? That leads to comfort. When you get into that nice, comfortable groove with your partner, then when you become comfortable on the court, in the sand, passing, moving, right? That leads to consistency, consistency. That's what leads to confidence. So, so there's four C's there in my recipe book for confidence. And when you're confident, you make Split decision, split second decisions like nobody else. That is a very, um, that is a, a journey or a path which in which all players, or at least all the players I talk to, desire to be. Um, the irony, and, and, and I always find that crazy, ironic things like this. In order for you to have that control, where you're confident, where, um, like one one like 21 21 still feels like one one where you're not thinking about hitting you're hitting because you've done it a million times you know what it feels like there's no nervous tension there's no sweat on your palms and i think in order for people to learn that um or for people who have trouble with that and want to learn that ironically to have that control they have to give up control in, in practice <laughs> So it's it's so it's so weird, right? You have to give up control to get to a point where you're in total control. <laughs> Again, it's the control aspect that leads to consistency and consistent play, right? You cannot let let me let me back up. A lot of times when you give up two and three points in a row and you're forced to take that timeout at a critical point. That, to me, is that's a struggle, right? And when you get your guys out on the sideline and you start talking to them and say, hey, look, yeah, you just gave up two or three points in a row. Now we're down two or three, right? We've been battling side out, you know, battling, battling, battling. Now you're down. Keep that confidence there because a lot of times they try to go out and get it all back in one point. And they expend too much energy. They expend too much emotional energy. And they get derailed on the objective of the game. So if we have to concede, which we don't want to do, we, 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 we concede without shaking our confidence and our ability to focus. Yeah. I think that's where um, 
guys like you come into play and and and, and recently me i've been I'm more and more on the beach you you i think you got a hotel on the beach an invisible hotel you just you just check in and then and then you like you paint it and the hotel's gone looks like it looks like the water i think you you basically live on the beach but for me i will say this and i've said this on on previous episodes and you'll appreciate this um mixed martial artist retired chel sonnen uh mma personality was on a reality show, The Ultimate Fighter, and was talking to a kid that kind of had Troy Field hangups. Or and and, and I mean, we're not talking about Troy Field. We're, um, we're not crapping on. Him. We're just using him as an example of of how he was at, here at one point and now is at a different place and still and still on his way. Um, and he said this. He said, "They tell you losing's not an option. That's absolutely ridiculous. Losing is an option." Losing is the most readily available option all the time. Always there for you. Waiting for you there. Waiting, waiting there when you need it. Hot 97 rhyme ready. So us as coaches, if we're dealing with one of those people that have a hang up where, like you said, they're just trying to get these points back on, not realizing that they win the one. It's just the one. They're not getting three points back on one play. When we have kids or, or adults like this, because you and I, we, we, we coach 8 to 80, um, when we have people like that, we remind them of two things. One, the other team feels the same tension. And two, it's not an unnatural feeling. <laughs> the only thing we can do as coaches is give them constant reps where they're comfortable, where they're, they're not thinking about it, they're just doing it. Um, like I always tell my kids, when you wake up and brush your teeth, do you think about brushing your teeth? It's like, no, that's volleyball, such as volleyball. So for us as coaches, we can say, hey, next play, it's only one play. Let's let's go. Or let negative talk creep up in their head. You know, oh, you just gave up three points. You know, now we got some catching up to do. And and where you you put them in this situation where they're fixated on on um losing is not an option. Losing is not an option. And they keep losing. Then they keep losing. Losing is not an option. And they put themselves in these moments where they're unnecessarily too big. You know, there are moments that are big, okay, that, that are a real thing. And, but how you deal with it is a choice. Right, 13 up, game three. You, you played all fucking weekend. Let's, let's just use grass for an example from my East Coast people. Uh, Pottstown Rumble, that's side out. <laughs> okay, side out, big court. <laughs> Two-day tournament. It is the most grueling tournament in all of volleyball. That Pennsylvania Period, thing. yeah, period. Yeah. If you're in the finals, even if you lose, I bow. <laughs> okay, because you made it. Now, that 13 up, that situation is more intense. The, the circumstances are more high. Tensions are high. Butt cheeks get tight, right? Pets, palms get sweaty. Um, and that tension is a real thing. But your ability to deal with it as if, if, if it's one on, as if it's just 1-1, one, one, day one, um, is a choice. Because that's a controllable that you can exercise outside that prepare you for that situation. Well, a couple of comments there on this subject losing is not an option that to me is that doesn't make any sense to me at all i do not preach that okay so let's 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 dissect that a little bit if you never get humbled and lose a tough match you will never get to the top that's the first thing okay yep the second thing is um again you have to play your game and in order to play your game you have to be confident. Win or lose. Losing not an option is not what I want to hear. If you do lose, 
you need to walk away with something. We as a team, your coach, your partner, yourself, we need to walk away with something. Now, when I see guys go out there and play and in a losing and they're playing a, a, a far better team, like Chris Taylor last night for the Dodgers. I mean, the guy just saw it, right? You're not beating him that night. None no, of the Atlanta no. Braves were beating him. He was in that zone, that's very rare, and he just saw it, right? If you, But what I ask you to do is play your game. Let's stick to our game plan. This is what we've been working on all week, all month, all season. Let's stick to our game plan because I need to see where the deficiencies are in the game when we go up against this team. If you go out there and you panic and you lose your confidence and you start inventing stuff in the middle of a match that we should win and you allow yourselves to be beaten and beaten up by, because the other team controlled the pace of the game, that's bad. We need to stick to our game. Let me see where the holes are so that we as a team can address this on Monday morning and put and fold that back into our into our integral loop, right? Into our engineering loop, right? Absolutely. Well, I'll share a story with you, um, and I'll be as fast as I can because this is a podcast, and I know it's, it's uh, um, reminding our audience it's it's not an interview. We, we, we're just here talking shit. We're just too, talking. We're too really talk. good. Yeah, man. This is this is where we want to be. Um, Evolution. You know, Duncan Avery. Yep. Um, I was coaching his boys 16s. We're playing SCVC. Now, SCVC, uh, for the people outside of this region who 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 don't know about club volleyball or, or don't care, and you really shouldn't because after high school, it's like, you know, I mean, it's like putting your high school play on your resume. Nobody cares once you're an adult. <laughs> um, we're playing a team, SCVC. It's one of the top teams. You know, they're always in the top 15, top 10, whatever, sometimes top five. And we get baked, like 25, 14. So I, I bring my kids in and I tell them the same thing as you. Uh, it's, it was a long version of we win or we learn. It's something, I was, it's something John Mayer always uh, always tells his kids at LA. Right. Um, I said, look, don't be out there being friendly with them, saying nice hit and all that stuff, um, and forget that you still have a game to play. If that team is 11 points better than you, if I said, do you think that team was, was 11 points better than you? And they all said no. And I said, then you got to go out there and you got to ball out. You got you have to, you you play your to the maximum of your potential because not, because you're testing yourself against a good team. And if they're six points better, then you could walk away and you learn something. But you're not learning. I said you're not learning shit. You're not learning the damn thing out there just playing around because you already know you're gonna lose. All right. Um, which is what I was saying about losing is, is, is an option. It's just, it just sucks, all right? Um, so, and I, I, before they came out, I said, don't let four letters on the back of someone's jersey or, or entitle them to think that they're better than you. They got to they gotta earn that buck. So I felt like I did my job. I'm like, good. Now I get to, now I get to do some stats. I got my assistant coaches. We're doing some numbers. I'm seeing patterns because I look at mathematical patterns on who the oh, setter yeah. sets. Um, we are just, I mean, we're just neck deep, right? And they come, we come back and we win the second set. Okay, holy shit. Uh, <laughs> all right. Okay, I got to prepare for something else. Now Now we got a shot at winning because it's one game of 13. So somehow we get set three to 14 up. And um, we get 15-14 on a net trickler. And I put in the kid who didn't play the whole match. He's maybe like a buck twenty, right? He's like five. His name is Aiden. Um, he's five, 
5'11", 6 feet, but he's really, really skinny. So you know he can get in the air like that guy from Qatar. And I put him at the oppo position. Uh, there's, they had a front row setter. I didn't care about their D-zone hitter. I'm, I'm like, the D-zone, if they're in system, just give up line. And if that guy can hit the ball in front of us and teabag us, fine. <laughs> um, let's double up that middle. Let's double up that setter. And on the go ball, I just need a big body in front of this guy. So I said, look, I said, right hand in his face. And I said, left hand, left hand presses if it's tight and goes, or I said, move it this way, close, close, close the middle if it's away from the net. And I said, if it goes between your hands, position six is going to get hit, hit in the face because he's going to see, he's going to see this. <laughs> um, and this kid goes up and he, on the go ball, because yeah, some people, they love the go ball, but they don't have the wrist integrity to do anything about it. And that was, and that was the situation I predicted. Like, Jeeva loves the go ball. Okay, he's got the wrist. Um, and this kid got, hit it as hard as he could. And it, and it, you know what happens when you block a ball, right? When someone hits the ball as hard as he can, and when he landed, Everyone went nuts, but I looked at this kid and he turned around. He just goes, he like what just happened. He didn't celebrate. He didn't celebrate until like ten seconds, and he goes, there was a sigh of relief, and then he just goes, yes. But the whole time when everyone else was losing his mind, Duncan Avery's there because you know he's watching the game because Evolution we're still coming up, mm -hmm. um, and it was great. And, and it was great, and it's a great story to tell because even if we lost that game by nine. It's a good story because we learned something, right? But it, uh, it's but man, you mess around, you play to the maximum of your of your potential. You get a bounce here, you get a bounce there. Next thing you know, you're in a situation where you dare to win. That's what us coaches prepare them for. We prepare them to to win or learn. And if they're in those situations <clears throat> where they play over their head, man, just just go out there and squeeze out that squeeze out that dub. <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. So. Uh, I like to look at the game, uh, again, like we talked about. I look at it mathematically, angles and stuff like that. But the real thing that we look at on the court is this game, like many other team sports, soccer, hockey, and stuff like that, basketball, yeah. they're chaos. <laughs> they are based on yeah. chaoticness, right? You, on defense are trying to normalize where the ball goes so that you can get a good pass off, so that you can set up for your hit, so that you have a direct line approach to man volleyball. Okay, not 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 six. And definitely not nine. And definitely not nine. Right. <laughs> I was gonna have Miranda pull up on Chinese nine man, but now on yeah, I, I used to know a guy who used to play on that. Six five, biggest Vietnamese guy I've ever seen, Paul Nguyen, used to be a, on that Chinese nine man. That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah, and because big betting on that and stuff like let's, that. Let's yeah. let's footnote that because I don't want us to not talk about that. Yeah, uh, but I want you, you 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 have an okay. important thought here. Yeah, an important thought, yeah. So you're trying to normalize the chaos that the team is dishing out. And by it, conversely, you on offense now are trying to implement as much chaos on the other side, moving the ball around, changing shots up. So it's very important that we see those angles so that we have everything available for us. If you push that ball too far out or you make... Sometimes a good set is a bad set, right? Because you, you're trying to put that ball on, but the guy passed it from the bat, from the end line, right? Mm -hmm. Again, trying to create the right shot to 
so that you have the ability to create as much chaos for them as possible. And I look at all these east-west passes that go on on the beach like we see every day at all levels. Yeah. As soon as I see the all ball the going yeah. east-west, that's bad. You know, that's you're you're creating more margin for error when the ball goes east west, mm -hmm. especially on transition balls. Transition balls mm -hmm. have to go directly to the net and you have to move. You have to follow your pass. I'll never forget Randy Stokelis at all of his camps, everything on the bat. Pass your hit. That's what he would always yell out. I can't tell you how many tens of thousands of times mm -hmm. you would hear him say that. Pass your hit. You pass the ball where you want to hit from. You don't pass your partner. You don't do these east-west passes, right? You pass the ball forward. That normalizes the chaos that they're trying to implement on you. Cuts down those angles. You want those small little triangles so that you have every option available to you. Mm -hmm. If you're coming in at too steep of an angle, you lose half the court. You lose the ability to hit half the court. Let me let me interrupt you because this is it's relevant. What, as far as like you said, a margin for error. Right. increasing versus reward how skewed are those two where you're adamant about not 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 running that like how far how far divided are those two like there's a reason why people are running east to west because they think um there's a reward if if you master it if, if it's productive so my question to you is it sounds like a stupid question, but now I trap myself. I got to ask anyway. Is the reward worth it? <laughs> I think to you, it's not. It, there are there are times in the game when you absolutely need to make a spectacular play on a transition ball, mm -hmm. where you actually get a good up, a good dig, or something like right. that. But the, the the players are a little run out already. The ball's gone over the net a couple of times, right? You need every option available to you. You don't want to pin yourself into one side of the court where it makes it obvious right where the blocker has to do very little and it's already set up it's yeah. already set up so the 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 north south pass mm -hmm. on a transition ball is what i teach because we want to keep that the point of of your approach you don't want your guys coming in and breaking their line on their approach right yeah, on their string on yeah. their yes a side out ball is is completely different game than transition that's my point so yeah. on transition games, you want, I, I always teach, let's just keep the ball in front of us at all time. Easiest ball to set is an up and down set. Mm -hmm. Easiest ball to hit is an up and down set. Yeah. And for, for the people listening, for the people who are trying to find ways to keep what, what we call court vision, meaning um, what, what you can see after first contact, that's the key. North, south, and south, north is the key. Absolutely. That's the key. You, as soon as you pass, you just look across the net. And as soon as you look back at the ball, as you continue to do that, your, your peripherals, you, you start seeing, for the people who are still trying to master this, you start seeing the block. And then you start seeing activity behind the block. And for the guys who've been playing this for a long time, they're 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 distracted because there's a court, but there's a court next to them. And they can see that, and I'm like, all right, let's just re, let's just refix on that. So I, I 100% co-sign on you. And it's so important that we say it on this podcast. And perhaps even more important than that, mm -hmm. I think that's very important. Yeah. I mean, I always tell people, you, you want to watch that ball come in. You want to see the ends of your hands. You want to see the end of your platform. Your objective. And the other team all in one line. Yep. I and like number one, that's number one to me, but perhaps 
equally as important is they see you doing it. Yeah. Because now they have they don't have you pinned in. No, they, they, have, they, they have to. They have to make their adjustments to too. Yep. And they said, "Oh my God, there comes a freaking awesome set. Mm -hmm. There comes a, that's an awesome pass. That guy has got options on this, mm -hmm. right? As opposed to, hey, look, that guy is struggling. Drop, you know. Everybody drop, drop ten, you know. That old adage, right? Remember? Yeah. Um, a, a play, play deep, but think short, right? <laughs> yeah. You know, they drop. Okay, Can we you... know the shot's coming. That guy got offline. He's going to have a hard time getting that cut shot. We know it's not going to the cut. We know it's not angle. He's pinned into the line shot or the line dink. He's, everybody can move over. It's all statistics, right? Making those quick decisions, instantaneously quick decisions, mm -hmm. that's, what wins, that's what wins games. That's what wins tournaments. I also would suggest that any coach that kind of gets that are doing a better job than coaches that have more beach experience. <laughs> The coaches that kind of get that because those things are consistent with, with, um, and I, I don't want to sound cold. Bottom line: Are you either you're win, you're winning these games or you're not? Why you're not winning at some point is philosophical. All right, um, and it sounds even colder. There comes a time where the world stops rewarding you for p your, your your potential or your your ability to do to to do some things. And I've I've had this conversation with with some of some of our people, Miranda. Um, and I'm only speaking for myself. I, I've only been coaching beach for about five years. Uh, my extent of, my, of knowledge in the beach is Central Park courts where the beach guys playing in Long Beach on like Point Pleasant um, would use me to, to train because I was an, an elite indoor um, player. And I'm, I'm a 6'1 guy with like a 6'8 wingspan that was a very sneaky blocker. So you had you had to wait. You, ha you had to play. Deceptive. Yeah, you had to know when to play your drink trigger first or when to play the waiting game and this and that. So so that was my extent. And, and, I, and I'm eternally grateful for those beach guys for allowing me to do that because I came back indoor just like, you know, because you, you, you as an indoor player, you know how to work the gym floor muscles because that's the advantage you're always going to have over a beach player who comes in with the same leg strength but not the technique. Um, so that was my extent. I came here, um, I went in the summer, and I know how to run drills, and there's, there's a ton of things I'm missing that I learned from Oz, Oz Borges, I'm a t my, my, my savior, the uh, strip dude too, you know him, right? I know Oz, yeah. Um, met you a couple of times, just uh, practicing with Torin, race, um, you came up, said hi, you know, and I'm like, I like this guy right away, man, does he sing karaoke? <laughs> you know? We're, we're going to get into that too. Yeah, later. all right, good. Um, <laughs> And then John Mayer, who I met in Mexico, um, uh, my girl was there for some tournaments for SOB, south of the border. Um, I was there indoor versus the pros, like exhibition stuff. So got to play a couple of sets with him, got to play a couple of sets against him. He took a liking to me. He's like, come on board, LMU. So, and the good thing is the tools I had as far as knowing how to win and knowing and my reputation on the ability to do more with less remained intact. But I knew there was a large part of this where I'm missing and I'm speaking uh, about beach volleyball. And, and, and there are players that are just like, they're shaking their head, but they're like, this guy is, Jesus, fuck, this guy's a fucking rookie. <laughs> he doesn't know what he's saying. And, uh, there's some, and, and, and the reason why I was so eager to, to make sure I mastered it is because I've never been so sure about some things and been so wrong. <laughs> All right. So this five years has been 
um, and I'm going off on this, whatever, but I'll bring it back. This, this five years has been quite the adventure where I come full circle, where I've leveled up and still know just like theater performance it's a, it's a lifelong learning experience i'm going to be 82 years old one day and of a few decades and still say i'm still just like lauren bacall you know, uh, theater or, 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 or acting still learning still mm -hmm. learning you, you you say you're you're you, you call yourself a master but that's not up to us to decide that's to the people who surround us <clears throat> they call us they're the ones that call you the master or me masters we don't do that and i had to eat some humble pie because of that and the reason why I'm bringing all this up, and this is full circle, is because at the end of the day, what you're showing them and this technique and this and that, the net result is, are they winning or are they not? Are they winning or are they learning, like you said before? Yeah. Mm -hmm. There's an old adage. I want to just go back to a little thing that you just said. Mm -hmm. um, coming from a very high-level uh, technology field. I mean, mm -hmm. I worked for Northrop for 31 years. For what? For Northrop for 31, and I was a technical director there the last eight. Jeez. And it's, you never, it ne just never more baffled every time you think you know everything. Mm -hmm. You know, there's this new technology and this new thing, and you don't. So my thing to my guys was, the more we learn, the less we know. Be hungry. Yep. Be hungry to, new, to, to, to learn new things. Yeah. Um, a lot of stuff that I learned, uh, I learned from being around guys like uh, Marcio, Sicoli, Sicoli, and Pompilio, and working with the different pros. Um, you know, every time Troy and Eric would have like a scrimmage with you know some of the other top teams and stuff like that. Uh, Taylor Crab and Jay Gibb, Trevor and Try, you know those types of. You learn things. You have to walk away with something every time. You have to be not that sense of arrogance like you know everything. You mm. have to be able to say, okay, you have to see the mountain to conquer the mountain. And to sit down in your little in your little corner of the world and just do drills day after day. Yeah, you're learning you're learning to play the game, but you still, Jason, you still have to learn how to win. Yeah. You still have to learn what your body, what your mind, what your soul is doing under pressure. Yep. And when your partner gets into a funk, how do you deal with that pressure? When your partner's playing great, what do I have to do to keep him playing great? You know? So what I look for in a winning team, two things. I look for fast feet. Love fast feet. When any time any of your players starting to struggle with their setting or their passing or something like that, and they come to me and they're like, Gene, what, what's, what's happening? I, it's like your feet. And nine out of ten times. It's, it's your feet. Yeah. It's your feet. That's okay. number one. Mm -hmm. Number two, leadership. Yeah. Leadership to me is everything. Give me somebody that understands leadership. What is leadership? Leadership is a commitment to yourself and others to conduct yourself to the highest standards of team excellence, professionalism, and, and integrity to the best of your ability. That's it. You've got to really want to be out there. You've got to hear what's going on. You've got to see what's going on, right? There are no blind volleyball players. There are deaf volleyball players. There's a, there, there are volleyball players that are short, There's but there are no blind volleyball players. Volleyball is a very, very visual sport. What you do with that data that you see and how you process it 
is going to dictate how well you can compete at the upper level. And and for the people listening, this um, was a tool that, thank God, I, I came in the beach already having. Because at the end, in, in, right into right you got to win too, right? You got to win games too. And what you're saying right now, and I, I'm not, I'm veering away from making it about myself because I'm a fucking idiot sometimes. Um, what you're saying applies. Let's say you take volleyball out of the equation. Let's say we, we someone comes in this conversation and thinks we're talking about football. Same thing applies, right? Let's say someone comes in and is like, these guys look like they're mixed martial arts coaches. It's not volleyball coaches. They must be talking about MMA. What you just said is is universally um, sports applicable. For everything, even business, relationships, mm -hmm. everything, leadership. Mm -hmm. That appreciation that you have. Again, leadership, that's one aspect of leadership. The other is, hey, look, you know, do, do what Phil Jackson did, right? Phil mm -hmm. Jackson had great leadership on his teams, right? Yeah, he did. Find implement and grow talent and productivity yeah that's it that's all he needed to do when his guys got into trouble he didn't panic and substitute substitute a bunch of guys in hey i'm sticking with my guys because i'm confident they know what to do they understand yep. leadership they'll figure it out yeah you're willing to bet your job on it <laughs> if you don't have that that's that's the coach's nightmare when these guys go out and they lose their confidence and they start inventing stuff on the court, I was like, what are you doing? That's not to the game plan. He's like, and they're trying to get it all back in one point. Mm -hmm. That's when I start to that's when I start to worry. Can't work with that. Right. When do coaches <clears throat> um and I, I guess we'll go back to our wheelhouse, when do coaches at what point do they um See, uh, have their players in a game and decide to give up control and see where it goes. You, you know, like, the biggest fear for coaches, and um, uh, again, I'm in the New York City system, so it's basketball heavy, it's this and that. The biggest fear for coaches is... Stickball. Everybody, yeah, stickball. Oh, my God. Come on, man. Come on, man. Hey, look up. You want, back a, of the you want a, a YouTube stick, stick ball, please? Oh, the, the back of yeah. the A&P parking lot yes. on Saturday night when it closed, right? That yeah. was the stick, stick ball so, you know, playground. That was it. So one of the biggest fears as, as, a, um, as a system coach, be it, let's say NCAA, let's say high school, right. varsity, the biggest fear is that everybody thinks you should coach a certain way. You go to the cat ones, you go to this, you go to the, the seminars, you go to the coaches' clinics, and the, everyone says this is the right way to do it and they want you to do it that way. So our fear, and I'll, I'll put you in this category, maybe not now, but at some point in your volleyball life, your fear is if that if it doesn't work, they're not the ones that have to fall on that sword. <laughs> they're 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 not they're they're the ones that they're they'll be those same people will be like, well, I'm not coaching that team. That that was him. You know what I'm saying? So something I learned um, that helped me, but but is at the same time hurting me a little bit. Um, I'm a control freak. I don't. If to me, if I'm the one, because the in, in sports, if you win, it's the players. If you lose, it's the coaches. You know, um, out from the outside looking in. I'm not talking about the gladiators. I'm talking about the spectators uh, um, and the pundits, um, which we all are at some point. So my biggest strength, and I, I'm using myself as an example because it's, it's, it's a point I'm trying to make, was that I will not, I will not be responsible for something that I don't call the shots on. <laughs> you know, but also my question, 
then this leads to my question. At what point do I say, hey, there's something I'm not 100% sure of. Let's work this in practice. Let's see if it works in a game. At what point do you do you allow them to become not these vessels, but like captains of their own ship? When I feel that they're confident enough to do so. Okay. Confidence is everything. I mean, you, you, you cannot... Okay, so I grew up playing hockey, and I was in the hockey team in college. And, you know, you cannot learn to play hockey by skating around in circles, going to every open, open skating session and skate in circles. Mm-hmm. You, you, you learn how to play the game by getting into situations that you're just unfamiliar with, that chaos again, that whole chaos aspect, right? Yeah. I can't believe what my body just did type of thing. I can't believe that I just made that shot. I can't believe that I just did this. I can't believe that I turned that quick and still maintained control, right? These are the things that you have to learn, and you have to feast on that. You have to want to learn what your body can do. Instead of painting yourself into a corner and getting good at your bad habits, you have to listen to your coaches. Mm-hmm. You, because your coaches, if they're good coaches, the hardest thing for me is breaking people of their bad habits. Mm-hmm. Because as soon as they get tired, as soon as they get less confident, you see them rolling back into those past, those bad habits. East-West passes, this, that, you know, type of thing, right? Again, it's, it's when I'm confident that they're confident in themselves, mm-hmm. that's when it's their game. Right. That's yeah. when I turn control over to their game. Miranda, let's um, that stickball thing. <laughs> We got, we got it. Let's just get everyone. Let's just get everybody to appreciate that. And I actually had a question from Miranda because she's she's um, she's been in and out of the game because of COVID and everything like that. But she can definitely have a conversation about habits that she's trying to unlearn in this and that. So let's let's just pick one. Let's just pick one. one. Yeah, I just want I want people to see that. That's all. Let's let the countdown. Like a good neighbor. Get out of here with that good neighbor. Hispanic Heritage Month, huh? I've never seen this. Stick balls, yeah. It's a big Bronx tradition. Um, we, you know, um, before some I moved to Flatbush, I grew up in Coney bats. Island, and next to the handball courts, which were around me, there'd be some stick ball. Yeah, I'm a Flushing guy. City, the, the inner out. city, and Flushing. Yeah, right off the right off Queens Where's Boulevard, Queens? there, right. <laughs> Check it out. So the stick. There's actually like um, 100 mile an hour tape or electrical tape on, on the stick. Sometimes it's just a pure stick. Yeah. We used to use an old broomstick. You do like a little tap. Now they actually now they actually have you know stick ball sticks. Yes. Which is crazy. It was the best way to go out. You could play one on one. That was the best. You just drew the lines up. Yep. You know. Being played in the San Diego tournament is from Brooklyn. Lewis Santani says there are no pitchers. So Dude. You to yourself. You pitch to yourself. The road is the... And then other than that, you... The road is the field? <laughs> yes. The street. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You just had to stop when cars passed by. Most of the most of the time, it was not in the... Um, it, it was in an unoccupied, uh, predominantly two-lane street that a lot of traffic doesn't go, go through. It's on side streets. Like, I'm from Brooklyn. I, I lived on a cul-de-sac, Chester right. Court. So right. Chester Court was a dead-end street, so we had we had no trap. Um, you know, only people that are like, okay, this is a dead i got to turn around and go back out. And you, and you got to wait for those people, or it's like the neighborhood guys looking for a parking spot. So, yeah, stickball, 
the back rubber, when the rubber uh, ball, yeah. Back when we were young, when I was a kid, you know, uh, the blue laws were more in effect, and you know, now everything is open twenty four seven. It's crazy, but usually uh, on a Saturday night, the supermarkets would close early, and those parking lots would empty out, you know. Mm -hmm. And anybody that left their car, I mean, that was a base, you know. <laughs> You didn't want to leave your car in the A&P parking lot no. on a Saturday night because you'd have a couple of welts on that car. You, you know? did. You'd have, you'd have dents from, uh, from, from this rubber ball, which seems kind of harmless, but when you hit it with a stick hard yeah. enough. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, God, we, on, our, on our block, we would play stickball. We played football during the football season because you still, you know, the block is basically a field. It's yep. a 40-yard field. So yep. sometimes we go... Like our sideline passes are basically crashing in the car. So there was one one time I threw a pass, and the guy caught it. And when he caught it, his two steps, he just ran into the car mirror, and the car mirror just flew off, hanging on by a wire. And we all look at each other, and we're just like New York in the early. We're 60s. like, do we just keep playing? And when the guy comes, we don't know what happened, or do we just get the fuck out of here? <laughs> You almost always broke a window. Oh, the you windows broke a, were broken all the time. Dude, yeah. and when, when the windows <clears> broke, <throat> it looked like a jailbreak. <laughs> it just Everybody every, just scattered. Yeah. <laughs> like roaches with the, when the lights come on or something. <laughs> that was New York in the 60s. That oh, was man, it. Gene Dolan from Queens. <laughs> wow. Queens, Brooklyn. Yeah. Uh, Flushing, Flatbush. Um, that's that that video Miranda showed you was the Bronx. Um, <laughs> it's so weird to which circle is not, back to which volleyball. is not which is not that's 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 not Brooklyn or or, no, or Flushing. Not really, no. It's um honestly anyone that's like upstate. That's yeah. like the first. That's like the first yeah, stop like, to upstate. You know, like any I never even heard of Park Chester until I started yeah, coaching right. volleyball. I'm yeah. like, you live where? Yeah. <laughs> or we're playing Lehman College or whatever. I'm like, dude. Uh, we were supposed to take a uh, like the bus, the school, uh, like the um, the college van or whatever. <clears throat> I said, let's just get some metro cards, guys. Let's take the train. We took the six to the four, and the four train took us to Lehman College in thirty five minutes. If we drove at that time, our game was at six o'clock in New York City traffic. Now, how you're how old now? I'm fifty one. Yeah, I'm fifty one. So I'm sixty one. I'll be sixty two. So I'm ten years older. When we were kids, when I was growing up Fuck in the 60s, when I, was, when I was five, not five, but I'm going to say like seven or eight, mm -hmm. we used to ask my dad for, for, for $2.50. Is it? $2.50 would get you subway fare to Yankee Stadium and back, yep. get you in, and a hot dog. That's it. I mean, it was crazy back yep. then. I mean, yeah. and, and, you know, like th there were cheap seats for like $1.25. Fast forward four decades, the D train and the four train are still the two fastest ways to the stadium. You're not gonna drive there, okay? Uh, look, when I when I grew up in Brooklyn, uh, Flatbush Avenue, Lou Gehrig, um, for a year and a half lived in the house I grew up in. My yeah. house, the house I lived in, is probably like 125 years old. It's, it's not considered a landmark. Look it up, people. I'm not telling you where I lived. Um, but I, to my understanding, for a year, this guy used to commute from Brooklyn to the Bronx via police escort because his family, immigrant family, was like. We don't. We're not going to live on Park Avenue. Why we? Why? Why do we need to live there when we can just live here and we save all this money? And then more practical. And then eventually the Yankees organization is just like, you, you got to move. We'll, we'll find you a place. So, but but in their mind they're like, 
we're not doing all this wasteful spending just to live, you know, to live with all of these these rich people. So, but it's an interesting story because driving there, even with the police escort, the Yankees organization and the manager and the other his teammates are sweating bullets. He's not going to make this game. And he always, he's never been late for anything in his life. Yeah. And he's never, and but and even though he's never missed a game or been late for a game, I think he's the one with the, the consecutive game uh, played. That was broken by Cal Ripken, I think. He's never been late or missed the game. And But even though he's never been late or missed the game, they still sweat. He's like, they're like, in this traffic, there's no freaking way this guy's going to make it. And finally, a year in, just to relieve themselves of that stress and just say, hey, take your parents with you. <laughs> Live on Park Avenue. Park Avenue, basically close to the 90s. Uh, actually, Park Avenue takes you straight to Yankee Stadium, too. You cross that bridge or whatever. So so what you were saying, I, uh, the, the cool thing is, you take the train, you're there really quick. It's gotten a little bit more expensive, as we know, but the trip is still the same. That's <laughs> great. We didn't need any parental guidance or anything. I mean, no. we were just a bumbling mass of kids just hopping on the subway and getting off. The scariest part was that prison across the street as you come out of the subway. Yes. And, you know, you'd, you'd show up at the stadium with your mitt, and there's all these kids, hey, kid, I'll give you a buck for your mitt. You know, they're yeah, just okay. hanging out of their cells. You know, all, uh -huh. these, yeah. all these convicts hanging out of their cells. Give me the mitt first. Give me the, give me yeah, the mitt yeah, first. Like, give me the yeah. mitt first. He's going to give me a dollar for this. He's going to give me a dollar for this crappy mitt, you know? He's like, I ain't getting nothing <laughs> that was the scariest part you know it's going by the prison when you were six years old you'd see these scary dudes you know so so where my, my camera's like square spacing on you go back to the camera it's like what? trying to face zoom you it's oh, following you around because you know i'm all about that base um so that's <laughs> so such a fun conversation. I don't know who wants to talk about volleyball right now. Uh, <laughs> you haven't even gotten to the karaoke part yet. No. We're saving that for oh, later. No, karaoke is awesome. I, um, yeah, let's definitely footnote that. Yeah. Uh, but I had one volleyball question before we. I forgot about it because <clears throat> I'm supposed to write these things down for a podcast, but mm -hmm. we're just, again. This we're is just, funner. Yeah, we're just talking shit. As far as habits, teaching adults to, um, Unlearn habits which don't work for them versus habits that they learn that are not our traditional coaching style right. that work for them where you just make an arbitrary decision to leave the fuck alone. Um, can you give me some examples where you draw that line of distinction? Uh, like I said, east-west passing. Right. That's That to me, well, passing is everything. Right. Passing is 90% of the game. The other 10%, let's call it 85% of the game. The other 15% is serving. Yeah, that's a control. I mean, any idiot can go out there and learn how to hit. Any idiot can go out and learn how to do a lot of, I'm, I, I should take that back, mm -hmm. not idiots. But those are the easiest things to learn how to do. But passing, that's, that's the start of everything. Bad passing habits. Mm-hmm. Are going. I can look at somebody's ability to overcome their bad habits on passing, mm -hmm. and I can tell how far they're limited to going to. Right. I always say that divides open from double A and triple A. Yeah. Like for for my indoor guys, and I, I talked to a close friend of mine, or not a close friend, but a longtime friend of mine, Mike Salik, um, for indoor, he's um, we were like, what's the difference between double A and open? He's like the middles. So for indoor, it's the middles. 
because you can always find a rock star outside and this and that. Right. Um, in fact, Taylor Crabb and Taylor Sander actually sandbagged in one double A because they didn't have they didn't have middles. They, they played for Hustle and Flow. I remember 2013. I'm like, the hell are you two doing? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Olympians and all that stuff. So, but for outdoor, the difference between double A and these guys worried about their rating and all that shit and, and open and lower level open players to upper level open players, different levels of open too, right? Right. Um, is a serve. I always said it was a serve, but but I'm having a change of philosophy so people can understand that better. It's about first hit because at the end of the day, everyone's uh, you're going to find even double A guys who got a really uh, nasty serve, especially some of them even are even better in the wind. But I think the guys who play mid level or upper level open are the ones that control the serves and make it seem like a normal day. So, right. so for years and years and years, I've always told people that the difference is a serve because it's easy for them to compartmentalize. But since we're in this acute discussion about that, uh, um, it's important we'd be remiss that. Serving and passing are not, these things are not mutually exclusive. They're kissing cousins. <laughs> right? They're not strange bedfellows. They're, they're, they're kissing cousins. <laughs> as far as physical ability and height and quickness mm-hmm. and everything like that, those are all fairly tangible. Mm-hmm. Um, I always use the analogy when I'm talking to my higher level players. The difference between, I, I always kind of revert back to the men's downhill. Mm-hmm. in the Winter Olympics, which is one of the most exciting events to watch, period. It's, that is, if, that, if, if le- not the greatest event to watch yeah. for me. It's controlled chaos. Right. So the difference between first place and 15th place can be less than a second. I mean, so that's kind of what you're looking at. Now, now Jason, when years ago when they switched over to the new rules, the shorter court and everything like that, kind of squeezed out the smaller you know, the, 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 the more vertically challenged population, it became a big man's game pretty much, right? Yeah. We look at that and we try to, we're trying to formulate how the game has changed and how it affects people and how it affected the game. And when you, when you would go to these tournaments, you'd see complete blowouts. You know, either the guys were familiar with that format or they weren't. Now, you go to the AVP, you go to a Manhattan Open or a Chicago Open, you look at how many sets, how many matches go to the third set, and it, it's, it's like 17-15 or 15-13. So what are we really trying to do here? What are we focusing on? On our game, you know, we're, we're trying to fo- Let's just find two points. We need to find two points at critical times in this match. That's the difference between the upper level echelon open players and the lower level echelon open players or qualifier players. Is finding just those two or three critical points in a match. Mm-hmm. Yeah, championships. I always I tell my kids and my adults, championships are not one by blowouts they're one by two points that's right <laughs> they're that's one by right. two points you that's you right. you we were talking about game threes uh how, i mean the first thing that popped in my how mind how many of them the first thing that popped in my mind wasn't even a game three it was if you remember Kristen nuss and taryn cloth 
against April and Alex. That was in that first 40 one, to 38, 40 that, to 38. In that first, in that yeah. first, uh, in that first one that they played in. Yeah, and then the previous uh, uh, tournament in Manhattan Beach, same thing with Sponsel and Clays. I think that was 38, 36 or 39, 37. So they ended up breaking their own record one tournament later. Boy, talk about two girls that ain't ready to give up the goods, huh? Um, wow, talk about two girls that I've been following for a long time that. A lot of people just, they feel new to the scene only because certain people only follow the tour. You know what I'm saying? Like, you and I, we knew who Kristen Nelson and Terrence Cloth were. I, I knew them in between seasons in LSU, but when, when COVID happened, I started watching them. Yeah. Because I was, I was also involved in NCAA college, so, or college beach. But, sorry, what are you going to say? Oh, no. Oh, but, um, yeah, I think it's amazing like, like you said, people figure out things where it even gets to a thirteen thirteen. I mean, you're right. That is what divides people, you know. Like I was, I was thinking about Miranda, like her boyfriend Rob McLean. We before we got on on right. the air, right. we were talking about he he um, talk about the hardware is fine, but the software needed some work, and he's 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 in a good place now. But in 2018, he's in Hermosa Beach. I don't know if it was the last round or whatever. He's up thirteen eleven, right on Boag and Jacobs. You know, you kind of win, you're in, right? Um, and they, he found a way to lose that, right? And then Manhattan Beach, the last round again, you know what I'm saying? Um, the first game was 22-20, he lost, and the second game was just like, fuck it. And then somewhere in the middle of it, down 20-11, he comes back and makes a 20-18, they change their mind, you know? And you're right, it's these little victories. And then the next year, he played with Shunover, Travis Shunover, and they lost to the Partains. 15 to 13, game three. Yeah, I have Travis. He's one of my guys too yeah. now. 15 to 13, game yeah. three. Yeah. Uh, and, and and you're right. You look at someone like Miles Partain who made the semifinals with Paul Lottman. And that's how close Rob is, who's who hasn't yet to beat in the main draw, to this lefty, this kid, who's made it to the semifinals in a goal series. Two points. Two points. Two points. That's Picture this, like, look, let's let's say Miles doesn't play with his brother Marcus. Let's say he has Lotman, but let's say you give, give, give Rob um, Theo Brunner. See what? Come on, see what happens. It's gonna be decided by two again, and and maybe Rob wins that, maybe he doesn't. And so sometimes it is about having your good partner, right? I mean, Rob's Rob's best partner he's played in the tournament with was Diorora, right? Partains is like. You know, is a, is a you know Avery Drost who was on the podcast yesterday. Just um, so I mean, sometimes partners have something to do with it. It is definitely a composition of synergy. Mm-hmm. Not the best players putting oh, not necessarily putting the best players is going to yield the the, the best results. Agreed. There is a synergy. There's a because he did qualify with his brother. I mean, in right, Miles, Miles' right. defense in Hermosa a while uh, yeah. several years back. Fifteen yeah, years old. Yeah, yeah, fifteen years old. Yeah, that was amazing. <laughs> that was really fun to watch. I mean, yeah. there again, there's there's two guys that are just super focused. Yeah. Super fast feet, and you know, they just knew where they needed to be on the court at all times, and Can they just fed off of funny? each other. It was Partains versus Brunsting and um, Samuels. Sorry. Um, um, but the thing that really is getting to my point here is you may train in the off season in your little bubble okay and you're saying hey look gene i've come up with some new shots i've i've gotten this much quicker i put on more weight i'm I'm jumping higher and stuff like that so your level is going up by x okay Mm -hmm. the problem that they face and it's good is that the the overall floor 
-hmm. of the AVP and the FIVB is going up by two or three X. So as good as you think you've gotten in the mm -hmm. off season, you can't keep pace yeah. with the rest of the level. And when I look at what's happening at 16th Street, you know, years ago it used to be, hey, look, you know, and, and this is just my interpretation of what's going on. No, what you see with your own two eyes. What I see with my own two eyes is, you know, before COVID and, you know, even 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 before then, you know, back in the old days, you know, the, the, the top teams didn't want to always compete against the, the other top teams because they wanted to work on their stuff, right? And then it was kind of a crapshoot as to who won. There was a lot of variability. Now, at, you know, when you look at Long Beach last year and the three tournaments that they had there, you had the top three or four teams, and they're like, hey, look, we're going to practice against each other. We're doing that this year. We want all the money. We want, to, we want to improve our game. So they started practicing and scrimmaging with each other like every week or two, right? And that's how, that's how the level, that's how that level burns itself up to where it is today right so if you're not part of that elite group and you're not training and scrimmaging with those guys at 16th street you're going to have a hard time that's my interpretation of what's going on here's my interpretation and people are not going to like this but i don't give a damn the lack of inclusiveness um leads to your ultimate destruction you can have a whole season where you take the best players and you play with each other because Iron sharpening iron is a real thing, and, and that's something uh, we all have to learn to accept. If you play with the best players, you have high-quality reps all the time. You're always in your toes and this and that, but after a while, that becomes stale, too. And, and, if you, and the other thing is you have to be sure that iron sharpening being iron has to be sharp enough and hard enough for when, the, when you go to FIV, FIVB tournaments and... And you face competition that you think is the same <laughs> as yours. You better fucking make sure you're sure because something that allowing different players, lower level players that 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 you may not think are up to par, gives you a different look and it manipulates the muscles. It manipulates the mind. Okay, that's slow. That's fast. That's that's, that's slow. That's fast. But if you're in the same situation where you're matrix, where you're you're operating, this is the best way I know to describe it. Where you're operating at regular speed and every and everything else is like three quarter speed. Because when I played, that's how, that's when I felt like I was in my zone. I felt like everyone was operating at 75% speed, like the camera was slowed down, and I'm at normal speed. But if I'm in a situation too long where I'm used to something, you know what's going to happen? Someone's going to come along, and, and then a ball's going to zoom by when in my matrix. I'm going to be like, what the fuck was that? So, so lack of inclusiveness uh, could have been the destruction, and it was the destruction of volleyball. What changed that, especially for the women, it became an NCAA sport. And when it became an NCAA, beach, NCAA, beach. yeah, for yes. beach. And when it became an NCAA sport, just using the women, there's no men in NCAA uh, beach. Um, what happened was superior coaches looking for full-time positions were more than glad to accommodate these young ladies who were who weren't part of that bubble and weren't part of that non-inclusive group. Fine, you could have them sooner or later. You know, you you're gonna run into a Sarah Hughes and Kelly Clay's who wound up against Carrie and what uh, Carrie and, and April. You know, I mean. All right, they didn't beat them. They didn't beat the best team in the world, but they're in the finals. They beat everybody else who's been getting it in for years and years who were part of that that, that group. So it's not like, oh, if you can't beat them, you don't know shit. You just beat everyone except them. Uh, fast forward, uh, Kristen, um, Kristen, Nuss, and Taryn Cloth. Everyone's shocked at how they're doing in the tournament. But for the people that have been following them, you know who's not shocked? Fucking Russell Brock, LSU. He's their coach. Uh, um... 
um, everyone in New Orleans, because they've been wearing them, them, them NOLA versus all y'all hats since they saw them playing Coconut Beach, and then they saw them win Wapaka, then they saw them win Atlantic City, which was a 100K purse, attracted a lot of good players. They won that. And then Atlantic Atlanta, from the qualifier to the draw, to the finals, didn't even look tired because they were their minds. Talk about iron sharpening and iron. You have to win five matches to win a tournament. You know, five matches a day to win a tournament. Where like in the, in the on the tour stops, you only have to win five in three days. Those girls were not tired. Look at the look at the Brazilians. The Brazilians playing in those small tournaments made it from the qualifier all the way to the finals for Chicago. Lost to April and Alex. And losing to April and Alex is not indicative of their failure. They just beat the shit out of everybody else who thought they were worthy. Uh, so those are those are. We only had three stops. I just gave you two examples. A huge 66% sample sample size. And we were set for our destruction, but the NCAA saved saved women's volleyball. Saved men's, uh, men's help is on the way. For the people that think it don't look good, I, I swear to you, because coach, cause of coaches like you and, and, and Jeff Alzina and, the, and these guys who were, who everyone's like, uh, I need a coach. I, I, I humble myself, <laughs> you know, because the rest of the world has has superior has um as at least by our, our our eye test looks like they have superior coaching do they have superior coaching yes because those people are going to the coaches or the coaches are, there's a federation that makes those people go to the coaches like brazil or, or or like italy or this and that so our eye test says they have superior coaching and, and it's true until it's not we have some great coaches here they're just they're just the men are just not fucking coming to them you know what I'm saying? How long did it take Eric Baranek to, to, to be like, hey, LT or this person? How long did it take Troy Field? How many people did people pour through before he finally got to a coach like you? And yes, I'm sounding like I'm being disrespectful to the other people before him. But at the end of the day, are you fucking doing your job or are you not doing your job? You know, are you do, are you are you putting in the work? Is this person a better player? Uh, uh, and do you have something to do with that or not? So that's that's where I sound like I'm insulting people, but at the, at me, I'm I'm a Bill Parcells guy. You are what your fucking record says you are, and like you said, conjunction, you win or you learn. Right. You know, your record gets better when you learn. And are they learning? Are are the men learning? Yeah, kinda. The have the girls? Are the girls <laughs> learning? Yes, they have. 2019 before COVID, and I'm gonna finish, and I'll let, I'll give you the floor. 2019 COVID before COVID, Hermosa Beach, that showed. The entire fucking landscape of United States volleyball. You had Kraft and, and um, Maple, Kraft and Deanna Kraft and um, Kraft and um, doesn't matter. One girl's 16, one girl's 17. They made the quarterfinals. Chrissy Jones, Muno, right? Just graduated college. They're in the semifinals. Uh, um, uh, Katie Hogan's in the finals. Betsy Flynn, Emily Day won the whole thing. But uh, the Norris twins. Uh, not even at USC yet. Uh, uh, approaching years, uh, 18 years old. You got these are just four teams that, and I'm missing some that were in Hermosa Beach, getting it in and catching up and passing a bunch of a bunch of girls, who who like who were not inclusive. <laughs> okay, so the girls learned and now they're all in it together. The guys are in trouble. Floor is yours. I just fucking went off. You the have place. to create the path, and for a lot of the players. <laughs> that do not have the resources to pay for coaching because coaches need to eat too right you have to create the path now for me i'm not in it for the money i'm in it because this sport has been so good to me for so long i want to give back to the community and my people know that 
And there are people that, not going to name names, but they, 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 dollar bills are precious to them. So if I need them to help me coach others that are less fortunate or whatever, mm -hmm. then I, that, that's the way I try to work my stuff. Mm -hmm. So the path is there. Right. And I really think that with Bally's coming back on board and coming on board, not back on board, I really think that the Bally's organization, at least I would like to think that they are going to create the path to prosperity, not only for coverage and for the love of the sport, but for the players. I would love to see a players union develop. I would love to see somebody take the reins like a Dan Newman or something like that and kind of come up with an idea and a, an objective and present it to a Bally's or something like that to sell content, to market content, to create a players union for the players so that they can, so that the paths can be created to get good coaching, to get resources, to get people to, to, to live here, to, to be able to live here and play this great sport more than, you know, more than just summer months, right? Yeah. So we have to, as a community, we have to do our part to create that path. And that's what I gravitate towards, you know? I look at Mark Fishman. I, I, I look at what he's doing, what he's trying to do. Yeah. I look at what I'm doing. I look at what you're trying to do. You know, we're trying to create awareness in the community so that we can get a path to prosperity here, so that it will make it more competitive, more enjoyable, more marketable. And at the risk of sounding self-serving, we're doing our part, not searching to do theirs, all right? We, you go to a tournament, and if you, have, if coaches and players are not doing their video room work, and they're not practicing, you, and someone's walking by the court, and it looks like an interesting game, if they see a feeling out process for the entire first set before these guys even get going, they're, they're moving on. And those are the people who know the sport. Never mind we're, us, us trying to attract people that don't know the sport. They're like, wow, this looks interesting. You know, cute girls in bikinis or, or just guys, wow, that guy just hit a, the ball 100 miles an hour. It is when the sponsors come, when Bally's come, and when they take care of all the bells and whistles. And I'm going to say this to the camera. You better hope your product is dope. You better be ready when that time, that time comes because Bally's would, be, would just be a big fucking waste of time. Bally's right now is a good thing because they their machine is strong. They can, if, if they wanted to, they can pump out, if, if the, the main draws wants to have five courts or whatever because it's a big one, they have the, the live streaming function and the tech, the tech know-how uh, and the wherewithal to pump out all five courts where we can choose those courts. All that awareness. Yes. All that marketable content. Yes. That's Daniel, Daniel Newman, the guy we love to hate, Damn, that boy's got some ideas, huh? And and Mark Fishman, and there's a there's several others that those guys are the visionaries. Those mm -hmm. guys can make it happen. Mm -hmm. Once we get the awareness, I mean, like, look at what the Olympics did for beach volleyball. Yeah, I mean, it's terrific, right? I mean, there's a lot of whispers about what Bally's could do. You know, whether or not they're going to create a facility in in Atlantic City where they're going to you know, it's going to be a permanent volleyball facility, a beach facility in, 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 in Atlantic City. I mean, there's all kinds of rumors, but I think that they're very proactive in awareness and prosperity for all. You know, I would like to think that the players will have the capability and will have the path to greatness, you know, to, to that awareness and prosperity. I mean, you know, we talked about the young girls now, the, the girls coming up. Well, what about the next 
what about the next group of girls that are coming up? They're even stronger, I think. I mean, I look at Savannah, Savannah Standage, right? Sterling's daughter. I look at Aaron Inskeep, you know? I mean, I look at those people. Where are they going to be in three to five years? I mean, they're babies in the sport, and they're going out and competing and doing really well in women's opens right now they at are. 16 years old and 17 years old. And as club coaches, we, we see it. I was with Endless Summer for five years, and I, I got – Three of our girls at, at, uh, going into USC this fall. I got two at Long Beach, one there now, one on the way. Um, freshmen. And like you said, playing in these, these CBVA tournaments, this one's got her triple. And I'm like, she's 15 years old. Like You got one girl, Eden McCoy, who's balancing General Hospital. She's on the soaps. And she's at, at, at SC. You know, she probably won't play for Dane because Dane's got some depth. But if she does, she's good. She's good for um, the sport. Yeah. She's a soap star that's also playing beach volleyball. So, you know, um, but. But when you look yeah. at the top players of our era, okay, yeah. and how they had to learn those mistakes on the beach yep. at a late age, and now you've got these kids that are already going through those hard knocks and everything like that. They're already honing their iron on iron, right? Yeah. At 15 and 16 years old, and they've learned how to win. Yeah. And they've learned how to play under pressure. That's a historical pattern. Give them that opportunity. Bally's, Bally's has to reach out and give them that opportunity. Yeah. Bally's also has to see a historical sports pattern. Right, you're talking about these volleyball players at 15. This one's 14. Wow, that this one's this and that. If you look at other sports, uh, and, and only citing um, citing the big three, so our our, our audience can get a, a grasp and understanding, because um, it's not just a volleyball podcast anymore. Um, you look at basketball. You look at a kid who's reaching like 10, 8, 12 years old. They're looking at kids that young. You know, I mean, you got eight high schools in New York that are like probably like 11% of the NBA's talent. Kind of like baseball is yeah, here in California like, um, and volleyball. Holy Cross, Holy Cross, Christ right. the King, the two private schools, um, right. Abraham Lincoln in Brooklyn, you know, Stephon Marbury went there, Cardozo. Even Cardozo has like a one-two-way, a, like a two, a one, two way, um, you know, a team that's just, just magnificent. But if Bally sees a pattern that is consistent with historical patterns of other sports like like football with pop warner and all that stuff basketball with this and that if volleyball does that then there's more money in it there's more money in it the you watch the coaches who are really really good get these opportunities you watch the coaches who need to cowboy up the ca- the, ca- the 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 coaches who've been playing glorified babysitter the last five years you watch them say you know what i got i gotta start going to seminars i have coaches meetings and i need to get better otherwise i'm not gonna last long because i'm gonna be exposed for what i am you know because there's a lot there's a lot of um there's a lot of bums out there <laughs> I, yeah i said it bums you know uh, at the club level at the adult level that are just you know they a lot of them use their reputation they recruit the best players the best players play each other in the finals and, and like you said in the bubble um in the bubble perception perception wise they're the best of the best but in the world they're the smartest retards in special ed you know Shit. with apologies to special ed people what am i saying <laughs> i'm gonna get canceled <laughs> sorry I, I didn't mean nothing by that but um <laughs> Marantz is like shut up so this uh <laughs> summer i got to work with a couple of the guys from mm-hmm. the costa rica nationals they were here touring and uh a okay. couple of young kids and um 
You they know look what? good, huh? They were really good. My yeah, God. really, really good. Young, really good players. Mm-hmm. And we talked, and you know, bringing volleyball to, uh, bringing good coaching, doing coaches camps, even abroad. You know, um, one of my guys right now, mm-hmm. um, uh, Lucas, Lucas Nasimeno is down in. Uh, he's down in Colombia right now doing a coaches camp. Is he related to Doug? I don't know. Dougie Fresh? Okay, because that's the same last name, but go ahead. Yeah, so anyways, uh, he's down in Colombia doing a coaches camp, right? Nice. And I know that I talked to the, the Costa Rican guys about doing a coaches camp. And Jesse, Jesse Webster, who's now in like Ohio or something like that, he was visiting this, this summer, and he was like, Gene, got to get you out for a coaches camp in Ohio because he's trying to do what he did for Hermosa in Ohio, you know, with 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 his club teams and stuff like that, and his beach teams and stuff, you know. So yeah. it's about creating the path, right? One hundred percent. The resources have to be there. The will has to be there, and, and the product. And the product. It has to be something that the community can look at and say, "Hey, look, this is a community-based thing. It's marketable." Mm-hmm. I'll never forget the day after an Alex and April when they won the Olympics. I did a spot on TV for them. And uh, for a news channel um, the day after they won the gold. And I was like, you know what? This is more than just an Alex and April story. This is a community story. This is a community of Southern California. This is a community of Hermosa Beach. I'm, I'm zeroing in to 16th Street. It's, it's, it's the people that they compete with every day. You know, the comp- people that they scrimmage that allows them to develop that path to greatness, right? Yeah. So it's not about them just practicing and, and doing everything in a bubble. And Angie really liked that, you know? She was like, yeah, Gene, that, that kind of hits home a lot, you know? The, the community aspect that we develop that path to greatness, right? Give us that opportunity. So if I'm, if I'm Bally's, I'm like, hey, look, we've got plenty of potential here in this country. You want to take over the AVP? Give us that opportunity. Give us that opportunity to... to to, to display our greatness and our potential, you know? And, and in a trade-off, the people that are asking for that opportunity to display its greatness has to be inclusive. Yes. Has to be inclusive. I mean, 16th Street, yeah, that's where they practice, but this whole, there's this kind of this attitude where everyone's supposed to kiss their ass to, 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 get, to, to get with them. And that's just half perception because that's not wholeheartedly true. There's April and Alex just had a general conversation with them. Um, I like them. We're not fishing buddies now. I don't know them as well as Angie and you and them do, but I, I like them. You know what I'm saying? They, they don't seem not not inclusive. You know what I'm saying? Uh, um, I never asked them to be on the, po- the asked them to be on the podcast or anything, but but there is a perception of lack of inclusiveness that makes other people that are on that level as elite athletes, as far as the coaching and this and that, that make them just say fuck that. I don't to do with that right and on the on the west coast when you see good teams indoor and outdoor it's the players in the midwest when you see good teams it's the coaches you look at ohio state from a three-time ncaa champ the last 10 years yeah and the miva right and in fact five of the last 10 championships are miva loyola chicago twice ohio state three times beating division two lewis no less so and this is my personal experience. I'm, I grew up in New Yorker. I've only been here for five years. I, uh, I'll tell you a story. A- AVP came to um, Hermosa, um, New York. 
2019. I was Jeff Samuel's coach, and I was Rafu's analytics coach. So I was yeah, that was in the city, I, wasn't I it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah, that was. And they, uh, they still had the qualifiers at Pier 25, but they, yeah, yeah, they yeah. built a new location where Chelsea is. <laughs> that you could just cross the street; people could see it from their apartments. Yeah, the, it was innovative and it was brilliant. So what I did was because um, I saw the idea. And I didn't want it to fall on its face like if I'm not using this as an extreme example, but FIVB Las Vegas. You had this first class set up and only like two people there, right? Um, except the last day. So I reached out to every volleyball organization and let them know the AVP was in town and where and what days and this and that. And that was for that New York time. Yeah, for yeah. the New York thing. Yeah, so was... the two the three biggest leagues, and bear with me on this. The three biggest leagues are New York Urban Professionals. They they um they 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 have two hundred and fifty four teams. Um and 54 of them are men's and women's, so 200 co-ed teams. And they're big on beach, indoor, all-purpose, like New Yorkers, grass, beach, a little, a little everything. Big City Volleyball, uh, which is the second biggest league, in the, and one is called um, Long Island Volleyball. Long Island Volleyball is a mixture of indoor and summertime. It's exclusively the beach and grass, and all mm -hmm. the Long Island areas, and, and, and then the beach and Long Beach and this and that. So reach out to uh, Long Island. Oh, cool. Hey, I'm interested. Let me know. Let me know. Send me, you know, send me the dates and times. You know, I'll, I'll bring some people. I'll come through, whatever. I want to meet Jeff or Jeff Conover, like the president, the guy who founded that. Um, I'm, I can't believe I'm naming names. New York Urban. New York Urban's is Paula and John. And Paula and John's like, well, I'm, I'm away for the weekend. But if you want, I could put it like on a page, like on our news page or whatever, saying AVP's in town. Um, you know, we, we're busy, not our thing. And then you got Big City. Big City was like, Basically, I'm not, I don't mean to curse, but like, fuck those guys. You know, they came here to do a couple of clinics and they were so full of themselves and they were just like mocking like how, how, how certain people were doing it the wrong way, just demonstrating the wrong way and, and just speaking from a place up here. So those are three different leagues, the three biggest leagues the, uh, that, that you get three different reactions from. And it's because some people can see that they're not being non-inclusive. And then you got some people that run into a couple of people, and and it's like, fuck those guys. I'm I'm, I'm in, you know I have the biggest league in the United States of America. I'm making more. You know these guys are winning tournaments and living in their parents' garage. You know I have a co-ed league that offers two thousand dollars for first place. <laughs> Just winning a semis and finals. You know where you got guys that play four qualifier matches don't get shit. So um, so what? It, so it wasn't like a. a penis measuring contest between people who run organizations. It's just about everybody telling each other, we're on the same fucking side. Indoor, outdoor, volleyball. Chi DiMaggio introduced me to that. Uh, and have everybody understand the same thing. And if, you, and if it's not your thing, it's not your thing. But, but we need to stop either offering the illusion of being non-inclusive or actually saying you are non-inclusive here and there and, and grow the fuck up. And that's, that's where I think volleyball could take a turn for the better. I got a big fucking project next year. Um, I'm not allowed to talk about it a little bit, but it involves iHeart. iHeart, the app, is going to do a project, iHeart Volleyball. So next summer, it involves 21 live streams from 21 different countries hmm. on all phases of volleyball. So maybe fours here, maybe Central Park. Um, beach volleyball, maybe like Uptown, Riverbank State Park. The Dominicans play fours there um, twice a week. That's free volleyball, 7 to 11. Uh, I could get Eric Baranek and, and 
Avery Joes to play Burek and, and Satterfield. You know, that would be like our beach match. Seydou Ajanako from Ghana, West Africa, he's down. Uh, Sharif from Qatar, him and um, Ahmed are down. Um, and that's as much as I can say. But all I know is, if you remember that Republican lady talking about releasing the Kraken and all that shit, <laughs> this Kraken's for real. <laughs> this dragon, this dragon's going to be big. So, so I got, uh, we'll talk off camera about that because... I'm supposed to uh, um, create my own team. And, and just off the top of my head, I, I know so many people, including you, that are like, let me know where and when I'm down. Let me know what, what it is, mm. where and when. So, um, yeah. yeah. But that's my opinion on that. And that's, that that's hurts a lot of people's feelings. Like, what do you mean we're not inclusive? I remember Madison McKibben was like, you know, you should, you should state some facts before you, state, before you say something like that. And I'm just like... Are you kidding? This is a written post. I get to write my facts down and, and cite and cite sources. So, you know, and Madison and, Madison and I were, were cool. It, he wasn't like mad at me. Uh, we're not enemies, but it's something that he, he disagrees. Yeah. And it's yeah, yeah you're gonna disagree. You're in the fucking bubble. Of course, you're. It, of course, you're inclusive. Because in your mind, you're nice to this guy. You go to this party. You go. So yeah, in your mind, of course you are. Yeah, yeah. but uh, no, I just I'm a I'm a kid from Brooklyn. Um, I mean, and I know, I know, I'm, my eye test based on my our experience, which by the way is a century of volleyball. You, between you and me, we're 51, 51 years old. We're almost uh, coaching experience. I'm twenty six years in as a coach. You're probably twenty eight, whatever. Um, that's a half a century of experience and a century of like almost total volleyball because we came out the womb <laughs> so you know that's that's a lot of years so you know i mean that's important that if people are worried about the validity of our opinion like you know people that that get into this whole uh gladiators of the arena who know no victory or defeat you know stop you've been doing this longer than a lot of those guys live and even if you disagree with me we're here having this conversation so that's a, a mouthful sorry God damn, minute twenty. I think I just I just I think I just did twenty from that hour to that hour twenty. <laughs> I'm a really analytical guy. Okay. And I know I I I pick stuff apart. So my background was at Northrop uh for the last eight years that I was there. I was the company SME for failure analysis. Psh. So anytime I had a space product line. Put this mic down. You take it from here. <laughs> I had a space product line, and anytime there was an on-orbit artifact or failure, or they had a sill problem or something like that, a system integration, you know, where they're putting satellites together and stuff like that, my team was called. I would I would get that phone call from my VP in Baltimore of Northrop, and Gene put together a team and dive on this thing and figure out what happened, you know. So I would always ask two questions. My first question is, is how big of an opportunity is this? How important is it, right? And the second question I would always ask is, how far ahead of it do I have to get? Does that make sense? How far ahead of this problem do I have to be so I'm looking back at this problem, not fixing this problem, only to find that there's a new problem, right? I need to get, how far ahead do I have to be? I started coaching only several years ago, not 20 years ago. I don't have that much experience, but I do have a very, very analytical mind. 
and I do see things that others don't see because I have a mathematical mind, you know, and I look at, you know, I look at the focus of a player like I look at the focal equation of a Fresnel lens, right? I mean, like a lighthouse has like a fourth order Fresnel lens that they use to shine that little candlelight 100 years ago so that boats could see it, you know, 20 miles off, right? A car, a car headlight, that's a Fresnel lens. That's like a sixth or a seventh order Fresnel lens. What kind of focus do we need as a player to see the game? What type of focus does Chris Taylor need to see to lift his team to be able to hit three home runs and to just put the lights out on the Atlanta Braves last night? Those are the types of things that we, we look for. We look for ability to focus. And I'm telling you, some of these kids that are coming up now that are going to be in that spotlight four and five years from now, Jason, and we're going to be looking back and we're going to be looking at each other and say, yeah, I remember when we had that conversation. These kids are elite players and they're going through these things and they're focusing that lens to perfection. And by the time they really hit, and these LSU gals that are playing now, I mean, these, these are the types of things that is going to make this sport that much better and that much more exciting and on par with NBA talent. I mean, when you look at the athleticism in the NBA and what those guys do, even college, right, and football, you ever go to a and most people see football games, you know, on TV or they, they go down and they, you know, the best seats that they get, they're 40th row up or something like that. When you're actually down on the field, looking at the size of these guys and how fast they're moving and what they're doing with their bodies, it's unfrickin' believable. I'm telling you, that's where this sport could go if we create the paths. If we create the paths as coaches, as we create the paths as financiers, right? As we create the paths to the technology, to bring that down to the game. When we were kids watching a football game, I mean, the camera angles, I mean, it was like maybe three cameras in the stadium, right? Now you get to see every little thing. There's five cameras on every single player out there and slow-mo and they've got the, it just, the, the coverage, the media has done such a great job in finding the, 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 the ins and outs and the real game, right? Not this view from above type of thing. That's what Bally's needs to do. That's what we as a community need to do. Yeah. That's what your podcasts need to do. Yep. Is really bring it really bring into focus what's happening inside the game, right? That's why I'm glad to be here today. I'm glad you're here today too and I think as far as important elements just naming names before we go to move on to karaoke <laughs> uh, naming names of people i think are instrumental as far as um just just on the product alone um there's you um i like john mayer john mayer is a winner learn guy john mayer should have been coach of the year uh, won 31 games at lmu dane blanton who really should be the six degrees of separation from everyone because the man's ability to communicate with people here at eye level, like you're, like you're a couple of fellas just having a drink and chilling or, or if, 
Like, if you're in a church service, Dane can stand next to you. If you're in church reading a Bible, Dane's next to you. If, you, if you're at a game, Dane, Dane could be next to you. Dane could be sitting next to you in every single situation, no matter what social structure, no matter how much money you make, no matter what class structure. Um, Dane should be the six degrees of separation. And there's something to be said about, like, if you don't win the whole thing, that's fail. That's, a, that's pressure, too, which he came through. Um, who else do I like? Um... Holly McPeak. Holly McPeak, who cares, who, like you, is more often than not paid to coach, but not paid to care. The care income is free of charge. I seen that girl do like a camp in New York or whatever, and when the, when the cameras left, when NBC left, and the, and, and the girls wanted to stay and play around with her, she didn't leave with the camera crew. She stayed. She was all about those kids. Um, and the reason why I mention these people because they're 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 not just coaches; they're color commentators. Uh, not John, of course, um, but Dane's a great color commentator. He can he can take you on that journey. Holly McPee can take you on that journey. Um, Chris Marlowe, to the day he dies, can take you on that journey. Like he, he's even when he makes mistakes, we don't care because he's so adorable, <laughs> you know. Um, so these are the guys who I think would be instrumental as far as like uh, um, valleys, like who's gonna. Because you need someone to tell that story. I'm on the podcast. We're telling this story, right? Me, uh, as far as color commentary and play-by-play, -play, in my heart of hearts, I don't think there's anyone better than me because that's just my inner confidence that, that comes out. And even when I have a bad day, Atlantic City was not was not particularly great, but it was still better than the other one. Um, um, so I guess what, what you're saying, uh, I was talking about the product which is on, the women are on their way. The guys, I swear, helps on the way because what's going, what's happening beyond Miles Partain or whatever, people are going to be happy. Evan Corey uh, um, and the Louisiana product, uh, good kid. I worked um, with him too. Evan, Logan Weber. Worked yeah, with him yeah. too. Yeah, yeah. They, they were great. It was, dude, it was rock star. Um, um, what was it, Coconut Beach? Coconut Beach, them winning. Co Oh, Evan in uh, New Orleans. Yeah, Evan Corey winning yeah, in, yeah, yeah. in Kenner. In, in, in his home. Yes, with the nightlights. Against yeah. a very capable Rafael Rodriguez and Peter Marciniak. Um, highlighting Peter. Peter had some problems. He, was, he had some problems. Yeah, yeah. but, but you still got to win that game. Yeah. Right? Yeah. You still got to win that game. What if what if he has cramping and you, and you still lose anyway? You know, you still got to get on the court and win that game. Right. So... Night lights, which I love. First class setup. Big up to the AVP for the merchandise and making it look like a tour stop. Um, so the products there, men's helps on the way the women have arrived. <laughs> Endurance and beat. So, um, but delivery, I like Dane. I like Holly. Um, I like John. Uh, I like you as coaches. Um, anyone who goes to the South Bay, Oz, private lessons, if he has time, if he even wants to do this anymore. Uh, he, he's, he is technically strict he, he's a savage you know? well when you talk about guys like blaine and you know he dane, can yeah. come into any situation right i don't mm -hmm. know dane personally um <clears throat> vertical, he's the only reason why i'm back in juniors vertical mm -hmm. range mm -hmm. is really interested you know you talk about mm -hmm. companies that have vertically integrated products and stuff or vertically integrated potential right mm -hmm. coaches same thing you have to be able to come down to any level to make your point. You could come out and talk all you want to your uh, high level verbiage and stuff like that to your to your beginner or intermediate and they just don't understand what you're talking. You have to come down to their level. You have to be able to assess the situation and take those baby steps and start wherever you need to start. And I think, you know, I look at 
you know, one of my guys is is Jose Loyola. Yeah. Right. Love how he does it. I love how he can come down to any level. I love his competitive spirit. His he's just out there all the time, and you know he's doing good, right? And yet, it's go, funny. Go ahead. Because <laughs> a couple of months back, he was working with one of his pros. And he's just up on the box, and he's just banging line, he's banging line, he's banging line, and she keeps shanking it out. I forget who it was. And he looks, and I stop, because I always like to stop and say hi or whatever, just on my way to a venue, and I'll stop, I'll see him working out. He'll wave to me, I'll wave to him, and he's like, hey, coach, hey, coach, you know what? Yeah, you know how that is, right? Yeah, of course. And he's looking at me, and he just puts his hands up. He puts his hands up like this, and he goes, Gene, help me out. What's, yeah. what's happening here? And I said, She's missing that first little step. She's crossing her legs on that line dig. And he looked at me and he was like, oh my God, yes, that's exactly what it is. But because we just miss it, because we're so expecting that, you know, it's it's just innate. But I'm telling you that the same, uh, many, many, many of the same things that I do at the beginner level, mm -hmm. the same drills, those same side-to-side -side drills that you always see me warm my guys up with, right? We do them at the pro and the, and, and the qualifier levels as well. You can never have enough touches footwork-wise and, right. and, and passing-wise. You can never have enough touches. It's easy to let that slip away, you know? It's probably why he's enjoyed a lot of success with, with the men, with Trevor and Try, and not so much with um, Sarah and whoever Sarah's been playing with. I mean, first it was Summer and Sarah, and then it's Brandy Wilkerson and Sarah. And there was also a style of coaching that is um, better equipped for men where we were just talking about leadership through performance, where women, even though that, that leadership through performance is as, as applicable as well, it pales in comparison to sisterhood and camaraderie and being, being able to pick each other up um, and that kind of... Um, um, I said it right the first time. Camaraderie. Their yeah. their their, produ their production comes through togetherness. Uh, that's that's synergy that the they men, develop. Yeah, where the men like almost there's like five different studies we could refer to, and 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 I always vet my studies, and I'm and I bought into that. Which by the way made me a better good uh, girls coach. I sucked as a girls coach. There's nothing worse in the world than like everyone doing what you ask and they still suck. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And 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 I had to get with John to figure that out. And then when I got with John, I brought that philosophy back to endless summer, and now. You know, and now I'm back in the juniors game. And the juniors game, Jason Olive is doing, J.O., name from the past, is doing um, LA, LA Indoor. And, right. and um, Dane took over for Steinfeld LA Beach. And um, again, we were talking about good human beings. Those are the only two reasons I'm back in juniors. I was done, I'm, I was done with juniors, but now, you know, now I feel like I could coach girls again, <laughs> you know, because of, of those guys. You know? I, I have a funny story talking about being vertic vertically, having a vertical range. You can't make the same points sometimes with the guys that you make with the with 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 women yeah okay i'll give you a funny a funny instance okay so <laughs> I come all in. <laughs> okay. and this is not a gender no. this is not a gender thing i'm not uh, not no, discriminating just... or anything like that if so so with my guys i was like hey look i need north south this east west stuff is terrible you're just you know it's it's like going to target and buying something and just take it to the register. Get that ball north-south. There's no need to go to through ladies' lingerie and then over to housewares on the way to the register. Just go in and get your product and go right to the register. It's right? like, dude, it's an HDMI cable. What are you so, doing in the lingerie so, section? So, so <laughs> I'm, I'm with the women now, right? And, okay. I'm doing, and I say the same thing, and they're like, huh? What is he talking about? And I was like, okay, there's no need to go through automotive 
and sporting goods, right? Just take it directly to the register. And they're like, oh, I get it. Now I see what you're saying. <laughs> or they're even worse. Sometimes as a coach, we detect this too. They'll, they'll shake their head like they do understand. And I look at them, I'm like, wait, you don't get it. <laughs> That's pretty, uh, that's awesome. But I'm glad they got it, because what I was talking about was, uh, um, I read the play A Few Good Men before it was a theater uh, film. Yeah. And he he referenced Moby Dick and the lieutenant, who was like the assassinator, like kind of an ass kisser, shook his head or whatever. And then Colonel Jessup says, he says, Lieutenant, he says, if you never read Moby Dick, I'm okay. He says, but this whole thing while you're shaking, <laughs> that you're shaking your head like you know what I'm talking about is embarrassing. <laughs> if you never read it, just say, I never read it, but stop shaking your head. <laughs> but the cool thing is, uh, the, the moral of that story is, as, as coaches, when someone's shaking their head saying, okay, and it's like. Yeah, it's not, you know? It's not. <laughs> it's just, it, it either is or it isn't. It's so, I, again, it's, it's like, like at the very beginning of this podcast, it's it's articulating in a manner by which they see it and whatever you have to do to make them see what you see so that it's memorable and I guarantee you those women they know exactly what I'm talking about and I was like you're going east-west on me again it's too much east-west stay out of the automotives and sporting goods stick to your go right take that ball directly to the register let's get that ball to the register you know Oh so that's uh, that, that's that's you know that's just a funny story. All right, to hell with this volleyball thing. Let's talk karaoke. Right. Um, um, I when I moved here, the first thing I did was find two, a place I can sing karaoke twice a week. When I'm in New York, um, I worked in a cardiology practice and I was moonlighting volleyball. Just gave up sleep, coaching NCAA yeah. and working a nine to five. And the only way you can do that is not sleep. Um, so building my brand, and when I decided to do volleyball, what happened was my escapism as a player became my career. A full-time career, not, no longer part-time. So when, you, when that happens to you, you or we as individuals need another form of escapism to go there and then come back where we can allows us to do our job like a mammal, right? So there are some people that like to swim with sharks and shit and pet sharks. Oh, come on, okay, hey, let's swim together. That's my wife, right? She likes to swim with sharks. For me, I'm thinking emergency snack, no thanks. Uh, some people like to climb Kilimanjaro and I'm, I'm afraid of heights and clowns. I'm like, bye. So for me, it's karaoke. Yeah. So I'm at Hennessy's Monday escape. night. It's your escape. It's your distraction yeah. from life. Yes, it's my, um, Monday night is Hennessy's, Thursday is Tower 12, which we've been. Right. Um, one's kind of a pubs thing. And the other one that I, I was talking to Greg the other day, there's another one opening in Manhattan. What's the one? The other one in Manhattan? Hennessy's oh, Hennessy's. It's on, it's on a different night than yeah. the Hennessy's in Hermosa, though. That's right. Yeah, 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 that's right. Yeah. Well, they were competing for a while. They were the same night. And what you're doing is you're splitting the crowd of a bunch of people that would probably all go to one place because it is a, a way of life. It's a culture. Yeah. It is, it is, the, there are a bunch of people that are out and think they're, they're, they're partying late. And then those people, they kind of leave like 9, 30, and 10, right? And then as bars empty, it only looks like there's three people. And then between 10, 30, and 11, 30, this whole sea of other people. Other people. Just Love come that. in. The place is, uh, it looks empty. And you're like, I'm, I'm going home. This place isn't crowded. And you, you, uh, 20 minutes, 30 minutes later, 
I'm going to call I'm going to say it again. Those other people come in. Love that. These independently wealthy people, these unemployed people that don't have to sleep in, or these people that have a day job but don't give a damn. They're just gonna, like Like volleyball they, players. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, wait, I got to go to work at four? Let me just sing till three and then go to work. And then I'll sleep afterwards. Like volleyball players. Yeah. So, and, and that's the reason why we brought it up, right? Because that form of escapism and the culture of like these other group of people coming in. Um so yeah, so I'd love for you to come out and just 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 chill. I just want to hear how good uh, I just Greg. want to hear how good Greg sings Nat King Cole and yeah. uh, and Frank Sinatra because I think I, mm. I I got a I I'd like to compete with him and the Frank Sinatra. Good. Yeah, yes. Greg is a throwback. Greg is this guy in his twenties who, if he were in the nineteen forties listening to Frank, or listening to Nat King Cole. You know, uh, uh, listening to those guys, luck be a lady, fly me to the moon. Uh, um, he, he's a throwback, and he sings them. He sings those songs really, really well. Yeah, that's neat. Um, me, I don't. I don't have a. Th- everyone's like, "What's your go-to song?" I'm like, I don't. I Sweet transvestite. I, I, yeah, Miranda <laughs> says, "Sweet transvestite." If you ever saw the Rocky Horror Show. Um, no, I don't have a go-to song. I'm, my, um, I grew up singing choir for six years. I'm from a singing family. I'm the runt of that litter. They're all singers. Yeah. But, but to me, it's like, for vo- in volleyball terms, for people volleyball, it's like I'm not an open player, uh, but I can still still whoop anyone's ass who's playing double A. <laughs> so, so I'm the runt of that litter, but um, almost in any venue, I'm probably the best singer. Um, I have two go-to yeah. songs. What's that? Night and Day. Night and Day! And uh, a, a, a Jimmy Dean favorite of mine. Go ahead. Big John. Get out. Every morning Big at the mine, John. you can meet him at the. Every morning at the mine, you could see him arrive. He stood six foot six and weighed two forty five. Kind of broad, kind of car. Yeah, yeah, I love that song. Big John, Big John. I know that song, dude. I, I think the country music songs I know that are spoken in text like that. Devil we went down to Georgia, right? That's a yeah, classic. Yeah, yeah. Charlie Daniels band. Mm-hmm. Uh, the boy named Sue. Uh, Tom uh, Hank, Hank Williams Jr. No, 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 Johnny, no Cash. Johnny Cash. That's Johnny Cash. Johnny the Cash. boy named Sue. Yeah, right. Those, those are songs that are easy to sing because those are spoken. Yeah, but they're so. You got to put some bass in your voice, though. But the, 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 there's a lot being said there, and a boy named Sue. That, that is a lot of stuff. To, it, it doesn't flow evenly. It's, no. it's all over the place. Yeah, I that's still a hate great that song. name. <laughs> yeah. My name is Sue. How do you do? And that southern draw, you know. Yeah. So, Miranda, who's looking frightened, I think, is suggesting that our audience might not know either. So, The Boy Named Sue is a Johnny Cash song (laughs) about a guy who left left the wife, left the kid, and his last act before he left her put on the birth certificate that the boy's named Sue. So he he's growing up with this name and it's tough. He's like the he's like the girls would laugh, my face turned red, and the guys would tease me, I'd bust their head. Right. Life ain't easy for a boy named Sue. So so he winds up in this honky tonk or what that's I guess that's code for bar. Um, Gatlinburg. Yeah, a saloon. It was Gatlinburg in mid July. Yes. Rode up, my throat was dry. Yes. And he runs into <laughs> that guy who named him Sue. Uh, and he says, "My name is Sue. <laughs> How do you do? Now you're, you're gonna die. Now you're gonna die." <laughs> <laughs> well, I hit him down right between the eyes, and he got up, and to my surprise, pulled out a knife and cut off a piece, a piece of, of my, my ear. ear. <laughs> well, I busted a chair right across his teeth, and we went through the walls into the street, kicking and a gouging in the mud and the blood, the mud and, and the, the blood and the beard. <laughs> cool song. Cool song. Story. A storyline. Sounds so um, lighthearted. Dude, the boy named Sue. 
Look, I, as far as stupid names go, I mean, uh, I, I, there's no way to, to masculinize, if that's a word, uh, and the name Sue, right? Like, my kid's name is Braxton. It's unisex. Mm -hmm. Turns out I was expecting a girl. Shit, it's a boy. It's still Braxton. We're okay. You know, Kelly. A lot of some guys named Kelly. Some girl, guys and girls named Terry. The hell are you going to do with Sue? <laughs> it's just Sue. <laughs> yeah. Like Miranda, right? Ain't nobody messing up. Ain't, no me ain't nobody thinking you a guy. <laughs> you know, not, you might hit like a guy if someone messes with you. Give him a three-piece and a soda. Maybe. Yeah, maybe. Who knows? So, yeah, so those are those are some of the country songs I like. I like A Country Boy Can Survive. Um, Hank Williams Jr. Yeah. The preacher man says it's the end of time. Mississippi River, she's a growing dry. Um, yeah, I grew up. My dad's from Mexico, Missouri, my stepfather. So we used to take these long trips and I listen, you know, Brooklyn kid listening to country music songs, you know. Because I'd sing the song, right? And everybody's like, where are you from? I'm like, New York. <laughs> New York City. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Where in New York? New York City. <laughs> I remember someone teasing me, like uh, someone teased me, said I come from the trailer park, and I'm like, you know, there are no trailer parks in Brooklyn, right? <laughs> I said, there's a trailer park in Rich Ass Hermosa Beach, <laughs> but you ain't, you ain't gonna find no trailer park in Brooklyn. <laughs> Oh, man. So we're going to get out of here. Is there a particular, um, you have like an Insta handle? Like people want to know more about Coach Dolan. I know you're a private guy, but anyone might have some questions where they can like DM you. Uh, um, or like. Just uh, uh, the name of my thing? coaching is a Single Source. Single volleyball. Source. Oh, cool. And you can contact me by texting me. And yeah. I have not set up a web page as yet because yeah. I'm currently at 104 people. Right, and I'm I'm kind of trying to. It would if you did. It would be ever changing. You got you got ever changing. I'd have to change the structure yeah. of my my company a little yeah. bit too in order to do that. So. I can't even imagine. Yeah, no wonder. Look, four people. I'm by myself, and I have the option vb.com. But now I want to do a blog. I have to change the website. Yeah. I want to do written blogs because uh, people don't think I can write. I can write. Um, but we do have a promo video that we send out to to new people and stuff like that. And what's work. it called? Well, it's single source volleyball. Single source volleyball. And it's uh, 310-498-6740. There it is. Text, and we'll send you the video. And if you see something that we can do for you, and uh, again, I spend most of my time getting higher level groups together so that we can see that synergy and develop that synergy. And what we try to do there is we try to bring the objectives of the game, the mm -hmm. fundamentals and the objectives in the of the game, into clearer view we are vertically we are vertically integrated so we can bring you wherever you want to take the game we can get you there nice i have a good staff we have good people that work with with me and stuff like that so you know we can get people on board so that's 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 it you know you are everything the sport needs you represent every everything that the sport should continue to do. You represent everything good about the sport. I'm, I'm very, very happy to have talked to you. I'm very happy that you and I, um, we indulge in these conversations here, here and there periodically. We're on a strand. You know, you come from coaching. I'm out there. I'm doing a private. Some Once a month, I'll get in there as a player where no one's watching. <laughs> um, and I'm very, very glad to know you. I'm very glad to have known you. And I'm very glad that you came on this podcast. You know, Jason, it's, uh, it's always fun to talk volley talk with people that uh, 
have not just ability, but just a love for the sport. You know, it's funny. I was talking to Mark this morning. Uh, he was coaching. Uh, oh, Bjork? No. no uh, uh, oh, Fishman. 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 Yeah. And he's like, you know, some people this, some people that. And I, was, I, I looked at him and I was like, you know what, Mark? It just boils down to some people have a greater appetite for hate and resentment than they do for love and compassion. Him and I love this sport. You love this sport. That's why we're involved in it. That's where it has to start. If you're in this sport as a coach to make money, you're, it's, it's not, no. it's not, you're not, probably not going to do well. If you love this sport and you want to see this community and you want to help create those paths and you're willing that tireless effort to continuous improvement and stuff like that, to harvest what these athletes bring to you and trust with you and trust with you, then you're in the right spot. And that's where I see myself. And it is always fun to talk to people that share that vision. I see you as one of those people. Yeah. So it's, 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 it's an honor and it's, I'm proud and honored to, to, to be involved with this community and people like you. We all look out for each other. We all know what each other is doing. And let's let's build something together. Let's build something exciting and share in that togetherness. And let, let's just make it happen. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how you close up shop. That I had something I was going to say afterward, but ain't no, no way. No, I would cut my wrist if I said something after that. So listen, Gene Dolomet, love you guys. But me, uh, I was going to say I can't stand you. But you know what? After that, I think I love you too. I love you guys too, all right? Usually I say I'm out of here. I can't stand you. But no, no, not today. I love you guys too. So for everybody watching this at home, for everybody who's catching a live version pre-post lunch, um, for everyone on your Droid, iPhone, desktop, iPad, for my boy Gene Dolan and for Miranda, I'm so glad you're here. I'm Jason DeBeas. This is episode 116 of the Option Podcast. First Avery Dross, now you, man. It's in tandem, man. And for all of you, we say we're out. So long. Check out the Option Podcast on optionvb.com. It's also available on iTunes and Spotify and on YouTube under the NY Varsity Sports Handle. You're going to love what you hear.